Welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. So we had this concept to talk about rule changes in the game, but we're in a lockout situation right now. And, and, and it had us both thinking that there are rule changes that happen after work stoppages. So maybe we should talk about the work stoppages first, and that'll kind of give us a viewpoint on the on the uh, rules themselves. Uh, just look, because, uh, you know, of uh, the previous labor show stoppages in the Major League Baseball, some of them were about changing the rules of the game. I think looking at the 72 one, which was the first one, where that, that brought in the DH. And that was a big rule change for baseball. Really, I think it was more the, the 94 one where – that was more about money than it was about the game itself. And 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 I know you don't like it when I when I read stuff, but I think um, it's worth and we agree that we would go through I, I the, think the labor stoppages. I think it's important in this case because this is an important labor stoppage year because I think this is one where baseball for the first time in a long time is really t- willing to take a look at itself and go, what's wrong with our game right now? And how do we want to look at changing it? Because – as much as we do love baseball, it has not resonated with the younger generation in the way that we've hoped it would, gen- you know, resonate with them. And I think a labor shortage is the perfect time for the stoppage. Yeah. The stop, yes, labor stoppage is the perfect time to really, yeah, yeah, and and, and look into this kind of stuff. And how can we change the game? Look, you were what five years old, you know, uh, or when the- I don't even remember it. Right, right. So you, you, it you didn't even register as a stoppage have not really to me. Been through these things, and and what's interesting to me is when I've was, been through it in other sports. Okay, because okay. it's happened in basketball previously. Right, 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 right. Well, you know that the first one didn't happen until 1972 is even interesting to me in and of itself because that means that just shows you how the how much the owners controlled everything. <laughs> I, I was going to use plantation mentality, and I, that's what it was. <laughs> the only thing probably worse was the NCAA. So, so uh, in, in 72, the pension agreement expires, and so the teams, you know, um, were resistant the, the owners to giving any benefits. Right, they didn't right. Want- the owners of uh, and. This is where it's hard for me being a millennial, where it's just like there's at no point in any one of these discussions where I'm ever like pro owners on this. I'm like, oh, yes, let me cry for the billionaires who are upset that they're going to lose a couple like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So you saw that a guy got into the Hall of Fame this year and you heard about his name. I never heard of this guy, Marvin Miller. Never. So, so Marvin Miller, labor, you know, representative for the players. So this is where he's, he first really steps in and they, he gets the players to strike for the first time. They've done this for 13 days. And so then the owners, believe it or not, they capitulate. They right. agree to a pension. The proposal. owners are like, "Well, wait a second. I don't like this." <laughs> so, so in all eighty-six regular season games were lost. But here's what's really interesting: they were not rescheduled. They wound up playing a crucial role in the American League East race because the Tigers claimed the division crown. And get this: with an eighty-six and seventy record, even though they finished just a half game against uh, over the Red Sox, the Red Sox were eighty-five and seventy. They didn't play the extra game. They just named the Tigers. <laughs> Could you imagine that happening today? Today, no people would. <laughs> lose their minds right right they didn't play the game you mean but just- i think that's where the, something like the internet has changed because the ability for the individual fan to voice their displeasure because you know back in the day the only way the teams would be like well hit them if you want to hit them in the pocketbooks you don't buy the tickets it's not really an effective strategy anymore true story. tv deals have insulated the the ownership from feeling the wrath of the fans that way so how do the, they feel the wrath of the fans by people screaming on fo- social media 
So if you would try to pull something like this, not give the team a shot to play that last wow. game and just name that other team to the playoffs, oh my God. So so this was the first one, and so that makes it important. It was a player strike. That makes it important. And the player reps voted 47 to nothing in favor of the strike, which spoke that these the players were solidly together. Which I think is I also think probably important. why the owners backed down so quickly is because even if you managed to pull one or two of the players away from it, you were still at like 45 to 2. So so here, no, this gets better, right? So, no, so what happens in 1973, the very next year, owner lockout. Owner lockout. Okay, so February 8th to 25th, this is obviously beginning of spring training. Pretty in, much, in like just before. So it's a spring training that uh, did not affect the regular season. Um, and there was no collective bargaining agreement, uh, and, and the new s- collective bargaining that was uh, agreed to established salary arbitration. So Which is a, we, that's now, a big Interestingly, deal. because now players dislike salary arbitration very much because they've realized oh wait the owners have essentially weaponized it in a sense and it can be very difficult for really good young players to get what they should be getting paid exactly exactly so you you go to 76 and yet there's another lockout but this is kind of interesting because in 75 and 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 i don't want to get too in the weeds here okay yeah you had dave mcnally andy messersmith and they uh, they got the right to be called free agents that was the big difference. So you go into into this seventy six season. The owners have just lost, if you will, the fact that these guys can now be. But now, prepared. basically, a player can hit the open market and have teams bid on them. So, so the owners decide. You know what? We're gonna start the season with. You know, we're gonna lock out, and the and the players and the owners agree to start the season without a collective bargaining agreement. Could you imagine playing t- the whole season? Today? There's too much money now. Right, right. They wouldn't do this. so. They during the season. This is wild. In July, they established a four-year agreement in season for a CBA, which, you know, today is unheard of. You would never, you never see something like that. So it's just amazing how many of these things, you know, there were. So in, in 1980, you had a strike during the regular season. It started April 1st and went to the 8th for a week. So now you've had, what, 72, 73. So they, they were 70, really, uh, like, a lot of which, labor but stuff. that makes sense because you were, for so long, you probably had 70 years of baseball history up until that point where the owners just got to do whatever they wanted. Exactly, exactly. So the players decide again to strike so in then, spring training. And then the players and the owners do it back and forth. Same thing to each again. Other. The regular season starts on time after the two sides agree to continue talks during the regular season and they agree in principle to a new CBA. Just thinking yada, about yada. this with, you know, we don't know when the current labor strike, and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit right. here, but it, it, it makes sense here. With the current labor strike, because we don't know it's going to be over until, you know, potentially even affecting spring training. Do you think the players are just like, well, if we keep it going, we don't have to do spring training? <laughs> well, you know, and we, you know, exactly, because the NFL has shown that playing one fewer preseason game probably doesn't change it. Do you really need thirty preseason games to really evaluate your guys? You on know the who team? that benefits? The organization, yeah, absolutely. not the players. You get to look at guys to play against major leaguers. You get to evaluate your talent across the organization. Yeah, I, I just don't know that it'll. That could be something that changes. That's an excellent point. So, and and after this 1980 thing, then you had the actual 19. 19- 1981 strike where they didn't play they they lost like 700 games in the season actually 712 i see right and, and that was a big year because that was a weird middle of the season right strike. right right so you had a first half champion and a second half champion and then you had playoffs and and at that point you had divisional you know play but the first half champion and second half champion just added to the to the mix yeah because I, one of the famous things from that off season that season was what happened to the expos where didn't they like they had like the best record 
they, overall. Yeah, but they, they won the second half. They won the second they half. They won the second half that year. They got really screwed in 94, and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and then they lost to the Dodgers in a five-game uh, playoff where Rick Monday hit a uh, game-winning home run, and they called it Blue Monday in, 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 in Montreal. Poor so, Expos. Yeah, yeah. So that was the, the the real big strike, you know, where you had 700 games lost. And you had like that, se- you, that, that, that's the second biggest one, obviously, next to the 94 one. But, but the Reds were the team that were left out of the playoffs that year, despite having the best record in all of baseball at 66 and 42, because they didn't finish in first place in either. That was half. the t- I was conflating them with the the, the wow. Expos, which is just like, yeah, that's like the weird thing because you were really good, but you weren't the best in either one of them. And, Even, when, I, and when I think about those early 80s Reds teams, it wasn't like they were good the next year. They went back down again and they were no good. You know, right, so were, what happened? In, that was sort of the end of the big red machine sort of holdover stuff because you know in 1981 i don't know if they had a few players left i don't remember a couple of the younger guys that had been on those teams that were entering the twilight of their careers and then you make them push what might have been their final swung song season along you really screw with that team i don't remember the 1985 strike okay actually i'm reading i can tell you i don't remember it either but i was (laughs) yeah 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 um it lasted a whole two days Oof, oof right in season August 6th and 7th, which just seems very random, you know, but uh, the brief strike was owed to a dispute over owner pension contributions, though we've heard about this enough times, and the owner's desire for a cap on salary arbitration earnings by players, Ooh, Ooh. and it proved that labor stoppages need not be all that damaging. All lost gains during the strike were made up, and and the owners then colluded, oh, I... I'm not supposed to say that. Well, they, they they suppressed the free agent market in off seasons. Let's leave it at that. Oh yeah, well, man, they've only been accused of doing that a few different times. So, but actually, they did get accused of collusion later on, and they had to pay four hundred million dollars to the owners in damages because they were basically proved to be, are you know, um, collectively holding down salaries exactly. That okay, you know what, you know, X team, you're not really interested in him. Well, guess what? I'll make sure you don't offer him above this much, so that I my market doesn't go above this. So I know we want to get to the '94, and that was before this the strike, the last one. It's, it's been the, quiet. It's I the, thought there was one. They was they they not, talked not about having about. one, but before that, wait, there's more. Right, the 1990 lockout. Okay, another spring training lockout, February 15th to March 18th. I mean, the more I hear about these spring training lockouts, the more I think the players just didn't want to do spring training and found a way out of it with a lockout. So, so if somebody's writing, the, this lockout was, an, in a sense, um, an owner tantrum over the arbitrator's judgment against them for rigging the free agent market. <laughs> yeah, which I think that's why it was only a spring training one, because it would have been a really bad look for them to have a lockout because they were unhappy with a legal judgment. So they, you know, Faye Vincent ended up getting kicked out by, uh, eventually because of uh, you know basically going for a no strike pledge, which they wouldn't go for, and he left being commissioner, and they ended up playing the season on time, which takes us to the ninety four ninety five strike, which, as everybody knows, was the only time since nineteen oh four that the World Series wasn't played in nineteen. Which really should tell you that the the difference between this strike and all the other strikes. This one's been the granddaddy up until now. Right, right, and and it you know it basically. Got people turned off the game, which is what all baseball fans are most worried about when you hear work stoppage. Uh, and and how how long are they going to not play games? Are we going to not to get watch baseball? That's what we care about, right? And exactly, and one of that was one of the big reasons why you know if you want to talk baseball conspiracy theories it's one of the big reasons why a lot of people think major league baseball looked the other way on all the steroid stuff was coming out of the 94 95 strike guys hitting all these home runs was the first positive press for baseball 
people were excited about it again. So they weren't going to do anything to jeopardize that. And, and it just didn't seem that that strike was ever going to end. And actually, uh, as it's written here, only a, an, a National Labor Relations Board complaint and injunction issued by future Supreme Court Justice Sonia Santamayor brought the owners to heel and ended the strike. So 938 regular seasons uh, games were lost across the 94 and 95 seasons. Remember, they didn't come back until like, like a little bit into the 95 season, right? So, so right, right. And so that really, you know, set now, baseball back. It does also kind of speak to me that it is a little insane when you think about it, that the, essentially because of the whims of 32 people who feel like they're not making enough money, they can deprive the entire country of baseball. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And, and. Uh, you know, and we we were so hard up. You know, that was the whole Cal Ripken, you know, thing. And and we had you had back to back World Series champions in '92 and '93, the Toronto Blue Jays, mm-hmm. all right, who didn't get to defend, and who didn't get to defend in '94, and then that pretty much ended. You know, their right run, because when if you, you take out that much of a chunk of time, guys are you're going to ruin continuity. You're going to have this. You you also what you do is you deprive yourself of having the changeover. The guys that would retire in 94 and 95 and then come and then they leave the game and you have the new guys starting to step in. Well, you don't get to do that. All those young players, their growth is stunted and then the old guard leaves unceremoniously. Exactly. So you get a very – a bunch of games with what feels like transient players essentially. Well, and, and it's funny you say that because the 94 strike, as we'll talk about, you know, that ended up having some of the scab players come in there and be a part of it. And I remember the Mets had a guy named Rick Reed on their team in the late 90s who pitched on those. I remember, yeah. Teams. Well, he was a scab in the 94, 95 strike. And, for the, and John Franco, you know, who was a Met all that time, just gave him the hardest time because he was a real tough guy when it came to that kind of scabby stuff, you know, at the time. And Rick Reed, it took him a long time. And he was a good pitcher for the Mets. I remember he had one of the better playoff game starts. Right. For the Mets right, that right. they've ever like, people talk about that start in particular. But it's just so funny that when I think about wasn't the guy, the one, I think did, scab. Didn't he think? <laughs> did, wasn't he the one that threw the shutout in the first game of the Subway Series? Oh no, that's Dave Malicki. That's Dave Malicki. <laughs> yeah, Dave Malicki. Uh, anyway, um, so here we are um, in in two thousand and twenty one, soon to be twenty two, and we've got a CBA that most of us baseball fans feel. Um, is is gonna not make it to the season, but you never know with these with these crazy people. I can't see them punting it again. They've punted it like twice already. Now it makes too much sense with the the labor stoppage already on that the teams are just they're gonna go through it and renegotiate the CBA and fix this. And so, what do you think? Uh, your your knowledge of, of this? Do you, what like, what do you think the number one issue is um, for the players? You know, in this instance. The no, the, see, that's interesting because I think it's different because it's like it always to me, players are always going to go back to one thing and one thing only. And that's the money. Mm-hmm. And I think they're looking at one. I think if I'm a player, I'm annoyed about how Major League Baseball is monetizing the game. OK. And I want them. I would want to have them. I you probably I think it's them looking at that in the DH. I think I think you, you you said it because it's the amount of control. I think I would say that the control that the owners have over the players, right? It takes six years before a player gets completely free of club control now. And so the problem is, is that you have guys like our very own Pete Alonso, who is you know, who was one of the guys that got treated better than most than most because he actually brought him up instead of holding him down artificially. Yes, uh, but you know he would you know, not be. He, he's got to wait six years before he can really write his own contract, and some of his best years might be now so as everybody knows about baseball the 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 system is set up that you pay guys after they've already had their best years 
Ex- a lot of the time, this exactly, is what and this is why you end up with all of these guys that you know they're you, you and it's the owners have kind of created a, a bad situation for themselves. This is why you have to get give all these thirty two year old guys these bunker contracts. I think that's a great point. I, I think that's true. It's like you know you keep doing the same thing over and over again, and you're giving you know let's see. Uh, uh, Kyle Seeger, who's you know in his mid thirties, who hit two nineteen this year, but he had you know twenty five thirty home runs. Is he really a guy you want to give a, you a have fifteen to twenty million dollars? That's, that's a system that you set up. Now the right, problem is, right. is it's going to take some team. If it's not going to be a change imposed from outside, i.e., the players basically forcing a change through the labor shortage, it's going to take some team going. You know what? We're going to do things differently. Right. Some team would have to look at it and go, okay, we're going to play our pay our rookie guys after two seasons. Of course, these this is coming from the guys that are colluding with each other. Right, exactly. It's <laughs> never going to happen. I don't think so either. No, no. The only way it's going to happen is that some small market team would have to essentially re- it would be like reverse money ball. So how do we maximize the contracts to our exactly? And and they're going to do that because that's what they've always. In fact, that's what's happening. The average salary of and the MLB has gone down over the past four years. How does that happen? Well, you have things like hmm, why were the why was Major League Baseball using two different baseballs well, throughout the season? Know, let's not get into the MLB conspiracy theories here. I don't want it's to. it's wild though when you think about it how. Major League Baseball is always kind of skated by. It's like they have like all the leagues right now, all the major sports leagues have like weird little conspiracy theories about them like that. Baseball and the free agent manipulation, mm-hmm. NBAs and what they do with the refs, NFL and God, the thousands of things that go on there. The games have control. They have power. They exhibit it. I tend to think it's not as nefarious as sometimes people would like to have you believe, but there is – there are things to explain the baseballs at, at the MLB level as to how that went down. I, I think they need to do a better job of, of explaining, of, of explaining that. Cause, Cause when you really think about it and this is where the owner, so the owners have a bunch of problems in this negotiation. One general public is not particularly sympathetic to them right now. On top of that, when you combine that with the fact that they probably don't want to have a big long labor sh- uh, uh, stoppage, they do not want to lose games. This but they're spring. the ones that locked out the players. But they don't want – they want their money, but they don't want to lose money. You know what they want? And, and I'll tell you what they want. You know, um, right now they, they want to hold salaries down, right? So the average uh, salary right now minimum is $570,000, which to any regular American human being sounds like so much money. But at the major league level and professional, it's not. It's, it's not. not, yeah, not no, for, for the rest of baseball, it's not. Obviously. So so as I said, this is in three years the salaries have gone down. So it was four point one million uh per player, average player in two thousand and seventeen, it's down to three point seven million. That's a ten percent decline. That doesn't happen by accident. No, that's a concerted effort to get depressed wages. Um and so what do you think about the the, the major league baseball proposing also that they have a hundred million a team salary floor. Do you think that's going to make a difference? It should. And okay. here's why. Because it because it's not fair to fans of teams in certain cities that their owner is not really trying to put a competitive baseball product on the field but gets to skate by because of revenue sharing. They get to make a fortune. Right, right. Because the number one reason you would think financially to own a professional sports team is about increase in franchise valuation. Like, I'm sorry. It's kind of ridiculous that – that Max Scherzer has a higher contract value than like multiple teams entire payroll. He was 43 million. I think the Baltimore Orioles were 38. No. Yes. Wow. Yeah. 38 million. Yeah. 
Like, like think about that. The, you're, if you're telling me that the owners of the Baltimore Orioles are attempting to put out a competitive project product on the field, you have to question that when you're only spending $38 million. So, so the Players Association, you know, is definitely, you know, you know interested in talking about a salary floor um, as long as, you know, they get the average salaries. Right. Up now, I think and they get paid early. The salary floor should probably not be $100 million because I think that's also probably too much for some teams. And I don't think basing the salary floor off of whatever the highest team's payroll is makes sense either. Like you couldn't do like, well, it's 60% of whatever the highest, <laughs> because then the Mets will be like, okay, we're hey, gonna spend a billion dollars. Yeah, we're Go just going to spend guys. all the money. Let's see what happens when you we're can't afford teams. All of you. I got more money than yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I, I think if you're, if you're the, oh, I, I think a salary floor is a good idea. Just finding the way to do the number is going to be difficult. So, so. Then you get into the stuff, the other stuff that we think is important in terms of what they're negotiating DH. isn't as important. The DH is going to be negotiated. That's almost a surety, I think, that they're going to have a DH because it's another job for players, and, and it's the in, owners can feel like they gave them. Something. And it's a really easy thing, like because if if you're if you're the owners, you would much rather give the DH to half the league than institute a salary floor that'll impact every team. So we're so we're leaking now into rule changes, which right. is fine because that was the point. So one of the things that's really interesting about, and we did a whole. Uh, podcast episode on tanking yes or, or does tanking really work so there's been talk about changing the draft order but in a, in, in some of them are really weird ways so let's say you were the first team out mm -hmm. okay so this year that might have been the uh, pirates well no 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 the first team out meaning that you had the best record of the teams that didn't make it to the playoffs oh okay okay the team that just missed the playoff corrected the blue so the question then becomes does it count for the team that lost the wild card no, uh, no, didn't make the playoffs at all. At all, okay. So that'd probably be the, the Blue Jays then. Right, so so that they would get the top pick, first team out, and then they go in reverse order all the way down. to So that that would stop the bottom, the, theoretically, right? The the team that's then would, would try to win games at the end of the year to at least not be the last team that gets to pick in reverse order from the first team out. So how many teams? If there's going to be 14 teams in the playoffs, you're going to have 16 teams out. And so the team with the the best record of the out, you'd go 16 all the way down. That is one proposal I've yeah. heard. I feel like that proposal is just like, okay, well, you are very much dooming bad franchises then. Part of the advantage of being the worst team is you get your select your pick. Yeah, but, but are bad franchises as bad as they are because at a certain point they just throw up their hands and say, you know what? We'll finish last and get the best pick. That that's the argument. I that's don't being think made. I don't think in baseball. I think that's way more likely in other sports because a singular player can have so much more of an impact on your team's success. But even at like one, can you even name the last like the last number one pick in baseball? Can you name any number one well, picks that, in baseball? Baseball is much different. Than you don't really look at drafting in the same way. So I think the idea that like that that instituting anti tanking things, I, I think it's you're you're. Moving I, a lot. To Believe it or not, a lot of the teams and the players I'm hearing like actually think that's kind of an interesting idea. It also gives guys something to play for late in the season when they normally. Yeah, the would only not. thing that worries me is you're a team that's on the cusp of making the wild card. Your team. What's better for try not to win? better for your team? Get into a meaningless wild card game when you know you're not going to be able to win the World Series. Or you don't win that last game and get the best next kid and you have another shot the next year. I, I understand your point. And I, and I think that maybe some hybrid solution out of having the the idea of incenting teams to not lose at the end I of the I think the better way to do thing. it, like the it. better way to do it would be to wait a lottery system. 
reverse weight the lottery system. So the team with the best record. You're not talking about ping pong balls here. I'm talking about ping pong balls. <laughs> but what I'm talking about is that the the so the Blue Jays in this, they would have the best chance of winning. The, they would get a guaranteed number X pick. They would be in the top four guaranteed. And they would have the best chance of getting the number one pick. I think that's the best way to do it because then the worst team still has a chance to pick the best player. You're just not rewarded for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think I, you're on to that same thought that it's like there's some hybrid that you could come up with because I don't, like, I, don't like, I don't like I don't like the current I don't like the system of just flipping it because then it's just like you're really creating an underclass of MLB and they could teams. Say the first four out and then change it and then then lottery them up and all that kind of stuff after that. But I think what we're both saying is is that some change alteration to the status quo would probably be Makes beneficial sense. to yes. the game. So so here we come on the rule changes, you know. So we we say they're going to leave in the um the DH will be for both leagues, universal DH. That seems pretty pretty sure. Um the three hitter rule, right, is still around. I think that's going to be cu- the only reason I see that going away is if the players are particularly opposed to it because I don't think owners really care. I think a player in 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 the throes of a game I don't know if the players, they're just playing the game. I don't think they care either. I think it's one of these weird things where it's not the number of people that the the metrics that it's showing in terms of does it speed up the game is not something that any one viewer can appreciate, but any one viewer can appreciate the effect that having to have this guy pitch to three batters can happen. So I just think that I think it's, it's a terrible rule. I hate it. I hate the three batter rule. I think it takes strategy away from the managers, and a lot of the managers feel the same way. And I think the guy who's managing the Mets is right there with that. Well, by the I, way. I I would say my only caveat to that is I feel like a lot of the managers are the only reason they think it's strategically they like taking doing away. stuff. No, no, they think it's strategically taking away options is because they don't plan three moves in ahead now. You you have to. They I don't too often do I see managers make single batter switches still. They're making a pitching change because they're caring about one batter oh, instead of caring about the even three batters. Even though this guy's got to stay in even the face the, two more. Even though the guy is staring, caring about the, they only think about the one guy in that entire thing. Instead. And so I think there is more room for strategical showing off your understanding of that strategic system that managers right now aren't taking advantage of. Okay. And I think managers could do a better job of understanding I have to have my pitchers pitch to three batters unless it's around the end of an inning. And, 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 and look, it's the rules, so you better plan for it right. and, and deal it, with it. But how often did we see teams last year get into situations where you're like, I remember specifically he pitching to him in to- the Lindor three home run game. I'm pretty sure when he hit the third home run, it was because whoever they brought in had to pitch to him because he had made the switch so they could get out a guy before him that was 0 for 3 on the night or something. Mm-hmm. So it's just like that's the kind of thing I think teams aren't thinking of. So I have a way, though, and, and again, I think because we're talking about um, I don't think it'll happen, but pitch clocks. Right, so we we've seen them test pitch clocks, and I think everybody's kind of excited about pitch clocks. Okay, what about this? Here, you want a real wild suggestion that would improve the pace of the game? We saw it a bunch this season. It actually felt pretty good when I was watching them. Seven inning games. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! No, no, I don't like that at all. Um, I, I say so. Seventeen second pitch clock seems to be coming up. You know, I don't know, maybe it'll be 19, it'll be 20, but that is a lot faster than it goes right now. If you have a 17-second pitch clock, you don't need a three-batter rule. No, you don't, right? Because the games are going fast. I think the games came down to like 240, 230 when you – I mean, why don't we just do this? It's weird because if, if anything, the games did – it's like there were a lot of games that felt really nice, quick, and tight, and needy this year. The problem is is that for – it only takes one of the other type of game. 
to just be to remind one you, Steve Traxel game. Oh it's all God. over. We watched a couple of those games where you're like, it's six to five. Throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it, please throw game, it. This game started at seven o'clock. It's nine thirty, and it's seven to sixth in the sixth inning. And I'm watching like whoever freaking uh, Ramon Castro throw another walk another guy because he has to pitch to three batters this inning and i'm miguel like castro. miguel castro miguel castro was the, was the catcher yes. yeah but it's just like oh my god you don't want to watch that after a while so so we 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 i don't know how you feel about the three batter thing i'm not i'm not sure you're with me and so we have the runner on second and you've made some good points about that in the past so why don't you talk a i think bit about the runner that. on second the way should the change a 10th inning should be played straight up 11th inning if you want to have a batter on put a batter on first 12th inning onward, then you can put the batter on second. The reason I feel this way is that for the regular season game, it's the much it's much like hockey. First overtime, it's great. First extra inning, it's great. Once you get to about the third one, I stop caring. Even if I'm rooting for the team. It's just I'm like, I just want this game to be over. I'm with you with the 10th inning being played straight up. I think that's a great, a great change that would benefit. I don't think I'd have a huge problem if you went to second base in the 11th inning right. or something like I'd that. I'd even be fine with if help with ties <laughs> yeah it's a great point right uh, like after the 10th inning if the game's still tied it's a tie game what, what is so wrong because baseball doesn't have ties and i could argue that that's kind of a fun thing to to have like great but it's american too. americans weird gotta like have a winner gotta have a winner we cannot have a tie ties are for europeans that play soccer <laughs> like no, we can't have a draw. No, no, no. So they're we, also, we got rid of it in hockey. They're also talking about, and, and I think this is something, I don't know if it'll happen if, uh, as part of the CBA, but how about the bases being bigger? That seems to be like a no-brainer, doesn't it? Yes, it's going to be safer too. Right. Because one of the reasons players get hurt all the time sliding into bases is because there's not enough space between the fielder's feet right. and their hands. Guys get stepped on. So make the make the bases bigger. So 15 inches to 18 inches. The game's going to be ruined. And you know what? Also, I'm going to say this. You know what we can also – you know what I would also say should be a rule change put in for this, this offseason? I don't know if it's on the table. Get rid of the ability to challenge on a play of checking or not whether or not the guy came off the base. I mean, like on a tag, an appeal play. Like when the guy goes sliding down into second yeah. and like he holds the tag there and then they challenge the play and have to and review it. No, that's stupid. I'm sorry. It's dumb. I didn't like we, we're not using replay in the way it was intended to break down the absolute minute millisecond that. Oh, that guy was technically not in with contact with a bag for a half second there. He's out. Like, I so dumb. love that you brought this up. OK, because you, you know that we had the other conversation and I feel like if they if they wanted to do it, something that would change the game, take out in-game video replay in the dugout from the guys watching pitcher at bats. Why should players? This is a whole. This is a whole completely other, different. Yeah, it's a whole other subject. That well, why should players have the ability to really understand what's going on? If in, in, in traditional baseball, you go up there, you see the pitcher, you talk to your teammates. What's he got today? You know, how's he throwing? But no, you're going and you're saying, "Oh, I see what he's doing. I see what he's doing." I, I just don't know if that makes the game. But now here's here's all I'll say. Better players have all that, and they still can't hit the they baseball. Hit so the maybe they need. Maybe we shouldn't do anything. Anyway, I, I, keep think, them. I think that's a weird. That's right. a weird thing. I'm just saying the weaponization of the replay in that sense to me is really dumb because to me that's what I remember replay mostly being used on this it's year. It's sort of like the NBA with the guy stopping to get fouled before, and they changed that rule. Right, because so, nobody likes it. Nobody likes to waste ten minutes on an on an in-game replay because we're checking to see if there was a split second where the guy sliding into. A second came off the bag or not it's not fun so here's one that toasts my bagels i don't i don't know about you but you know they in the arizona fall league they had the four infielders on the dirt with two on each side of the base that's the way they played it this year all right wait what 
So they they basically divided the field in half, and they said, if you're going to be an infielder on the left side, you have to stand on the dirt. There's got to be two of you to the left side of oh, second base. Oh, so they were doing away with the switch. Yeah, it's no shifting around. You can't be in the outfield. You got to play on the dirt. That's nuts. That's nuts. I don't like it. I, I, I just... Uh, I, I love what they're doing, right? Testing at the minor league level and doing but, this. But we even saw it last year. Guys had just adjusted to the shift. All it's going to take is one season of guys being like, well, I will take this free base hit. And then teams will stop doing it as often. I think baseball goes down a huge slippery slope if they decide ever to do anything about the infield shift at all. You are very that that's a rule change that is directly meant to impact the flow of the game. You are trying to say that there's a correct way to play the game when you put in a rule change like that. So why don't you you know you ever play softball when you're a kid and you know they had a short center fielder like they put an extra fielder in there they had the center fielder and the and the, and the floater yeah. that would play behind second base if we did that in baseball that would be a cheese like everybody go what what well, like, like 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 we do it all like like what okay so we we get Juan Pierre up and are you going are we not allowed to pull the outfield in because he's not going to be able to hit it over their heads. Well, and that's a good point, right? Because at the end of a game, when you've got the sacrifice fly chance, you've always been the outfielders in because you know they can't. Right, are we not allowed? You guys got to stand back by the fence. You have to be, you have to be this close <laughs> to the fence. No, it'd be, that'd be silly. So I, 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 and that, those things won't be legislated. And, and the, the last thing that I think you can count on not happening, if anybody's wondering from the player's perspective, there will not and never be a salary cap in Major League Baseball. No, never. <laughs> they, baseball doesn't need a salary cap in the way other sports do because it's two players cannot team up and win everything like you can specifically in basketball right what 40 percent of your team can be you know can can make the difference between you you winning and losing you put let's put it this way imagine if you would put steph curry and lebron on the same team for all these years would anybody beat them (laughs) no so, so the, the, the baseball players kind of have this without the salary cap. They're never going to give that up. And the owners know that. But don't be surprised that the owners don't try to egg them on by asking them for something the else. Owner, yeah, the, the, what the owners want, the owners want to make sure that salary – because the, the problem for the owners is that in order to pay the starkly increasing cost of top-end contracts, which is not helped by people like Steve Cohen being I was being just going like, to say, there's two words that go against yeah, that. Steve, Steve Co- Cohen. Because he's like, yes, I will give Francisco Lindor $310 million, and Max Scherzer 140 for three. But the problem with that is, in order to pay those guys those kinds of contracts, you have to artificially deflate all of the other guys' contracts so that all of those guys that are making the league minimum are making a little bit less so you can afford those big guys. So that is the one thing that I think might – it's a weird thing where the, the guys that are most outspoken in the labor shortage for the, pl- the labor stoppage for the players – are the guys that are a lot of times making the most money who are the most against something like that. Like they're, they're more allied with the owners in that. They're really they, not though. They're, they, they're, they're, it's for different reasons. Right, right. It's, it's good to see guys like shirts are fighting for players saying, we got to pay these guys earlier in their careers. They shouldn't have to wait all that time because there's a whole host of players because how who ma- don't make it to five because, years. Yeah, what about the guys that were unbelievable for four and then he gets hurt and he never gets paid for what he was doing. He might've been playing like a $30 million a year player and he was, getting nothing close to that so um to to close this up when do you think they will negotiate this when when will we see baseball and is there i i I predict it's going to look real bad through january there it's going to be a whole bunch of oh the two sides are not close two sides are not close 
then right around the time spring training would be starting. Things so like pitchers and catchers won't report around middle of February. That's when things will start turning. And then I expect by the, the second week in March, they'll have worked everything. So you out. think they'll lose spring training games? They'll lose the play. It's too convenient for the players. I'm kind of thinking the same thing. I think they might lose spring training games. I don't expect the, the regular season to be a no regular players won't want to lose the money. Owners won't want to lose the money, but neither group really will care if spring training isn't impacted. And we'll have a DH universal DH. You think that's going to happen? We'll have universal DH. We'll probably. The three battle rule, I think, is interesting because I I, I think it's going to stay. I think I it's going to stay. I don't hear anybody calling for it being pulled. I think it's going to stay less, more, just because there isn't enough interest in getting it removed. I think you will not see a salary cap. You will not see a pitch clock. Not this year. Not this year. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see a pitch clock. Yeah. I think that's a big change. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, and you can follow us on Twitter. Almost cool.